Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist and now a health coach based in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life. For this episode, you'll hear me through my tears talk to County Judge Joseph Wood from Fayetteville as he tells his triumphant story of being part of the foster system and his subsequent adoption and how he was able to meet the man responsible for all of this. Oh, it's a good one. You'll get to meet Judge Wood right after this. When health coaches like me talk about diet, we don't mean that kind, the the four-lettered word kind, the bad kind. We mean having a diet that is free of gluten or dairy. Okay, I've got someone that can take care of you in both areas, and that's Jess's Chicken here in Central Arkansas. You have several options on their menu if you want to stay dairy-free and even gluten-free. So let's say gluten-free, that's how I eat. So when I go, I get the chicken salad scoop and I get the savory. There's also one with the sweet with the um, grapes in it. Oh, really, really good. But sometimes I want the savory, right? And then I know I can have the fries and I can have ice cream. And I know I just had a gluten-free meal that was absolutely delicious. For those of you that are dairy-free, there are options there. And you can just talk to them about it when you go in, when you go with your kids, because they want the mac and cheese maybe instead of the fries. Okay, you can do that. Everyone wants the ice cream at the end. And the great thing about Jess's Chicken, same people who bring you David's Burgers, but guys, they have so many bays for you to drive through so you can get in and out quickly. Here in Central Arkansas, there's just one location for now, but it's right there on Rodney Parham at I-430. Check them out. Go to their website. See the menu, jesschicken.com. Hi, friends. I have great news for those of you who like to save a dollar when you shop for supplements. Well, I think that's everybody in the audience right now. You can do that with my people. I say they're my people, but you know, it's where I get my supplements and hormone testing at compounding at cornerstone.com. It's Cornerstone Pharmacy and Compounding here in Little Rock, Arkansas. But what Brittany Marsh, the owners, made available is for you to be able to save a few dollars when you're shopping. Now, all of their supplements or all the ones that I like are online. So you'll go under shop. I'm, I'm on the website right now looking at the different options you have. And you can get the Adipolene 2. I think that's the one Brittany really likes. People like it for weight regulation. I'm especially fond of the Adrenal support capsules they have. This is from Pure Encapsulations. If you know about the line, it's outstanding. Adrenal Health is another line they have there. They've got the Goalie apple cider vinegar gummy. So tons of things. You'll save 20% when you shop. And don't forget that they also have the hormone therapy. And because they've been providing hormone, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, and in this business a very long time, you can get one of the tests and consultation and also save 20% at check out with the code LISA. All the information is in the show notes, but I can tell you this, when you get a minute, go to compounding at cornerstone.com and start shopping. She won most talkative in high school and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, it's the first time I think we've had a judge on the Lisa Fisher Said podcast, and this one is worthy of a mention. It's National Adoption Month, and Judge Wood, 
that's your story, isn't it? You love holding the banner high for adoption. (laughs) Absolutely right. Absolutely. Thank you for having me this morning. Well, the genesis of our relationship was just uh, last month in October of 2022, I emceed an event where you were the speaker and I wasn't prepared for your story. They should warn people before you speak (laughs) to have a hanky and uh, not to wear mascara or any eye makeup, (laughs) you know, on the lower lids, especially. Oh, you're so awesome. It was a good, it was a great, I mean, it was an incredible event. It really was. And I was honored to be there uh, and and do the, the hard work of the Lord and uh, yeah. being that whole mission of being a, uh, faithful to the fatherless. Yeah. What a great mission. And that's what we're talking about. It's Second Chance Youth Ranch, which yes. I've been involved with a real long time and uh, about fostering. So I thought maybe you just, I, I've been to these events and someone will tell a story of, they knew someone who was fostered or they knew an adoption story, but yours combines them all because you are both part of the foster care system in Chicago, right? Is That's that where you, That's okay. Correct. And then Chicago. you came to Arkansas, which we're so glad to have you here, of course, <laughs> but then also, you know, your permanent, your foster placement resulted in an adoption. So why don't you tell your story the way you sure. tell the way you've told it on I've seen you on Fox News now. Uh-oh. If you if people Google you after this, then they'll oh, see wow. that you've told the story in national news media outlets. That's great. But That's great. it's my first time to hear. It was my first time, but I'm ready for people to hear it. So tell your story the way you like to wax poetic. <laughs> well again, Lisa Fisher, I really appreciate you having me on and uh, for, again, National Adoption Awareness Month, and I normally do uh, kick off November talking about, uh, let's thank those folks who've opened up their homes and yes. given these children a forever family. And that's what these kids are looking for, for our foundation, a forever family. Uh, but also knowing going into the holidays, we also have a number of kids in foster who's looking for that forever family. They're going into the holidays, so remember them. If you can't adopt foster, if you can't foster, you can volunteer, provide mm-hmm. respite care. Um, Always knew I was adopted and uh, always wanted to find out who my birth parents were to let them know, hey, thank you. You've given me life and hey, you got grandkids, whatever happened, happened. Uh, but here, I'm OK. Thank you. And uh, the laws changed in Illinois, which started this unbelievable uh, series of events. Now, again, I've searched my whole life and at 45 years old, um, there was a law change in the state of Illinois that said you can have your original birth certificate. Most kids who are adopted, most folks who are adopted, they want that original birth certificate yeah. because it gives them af- information about themselves and who may be birth mom and birth dad, where they're from, and they can begin that, continue that journey, et cetera. Well, uh, I sent my money in and the state of Illinois cashed the check pretty fast for that certificate, but it took <laughs> but them months. <laughs> it took them months before they sent it. And they sent me finally after several months because they were overwhelmed by the number of people looking for that original birth certificate. They sent me a foundling birth certificate. And many of your audience, like me, I didn't know what a foundling was. Had to look it up, and it says that you were abandoned. You were found. That is what a foundling is, a kid that is actually found. Um, uh, and, and that just blew my mind. At 45 years old, I, I was stunned. And so on the foundling certificate, it said, this is the day you were found. I said, well, that's the day I celebrated my birthday. No, that's just the day you were found. So again, your audience, for 45 years, you celebrate this as your birthday. And now you're being told that that's not the day, your birthday. It's just the day you were found. 
all right, I, I got to find the doctor who took me in the orphanage because on the rest of the foundling certificate said, this is the day you were found. This is the address where you were found. This is the man, Caesar Johnson, who found you. And this is the doctor who admitted you into the orphanage. That's a lot to take in. Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks into it, I finally got my head around this whole notion that I was not only given up for adoption, but actually abandoned. Uh, and that's a lot. And, and I say, I got to find that doctor. I'm a fighter. I'm going to find that doctor and see if he remembers anything else as if I was the only kid that he admitted into the orphanage, right? <laughs> right but that's where I right. was. <laughs> and I went searching for him and I found him. He had passed away in 1999. And then my journey, I said, well, I got to find the guy who found me. And I did a lot of research. And I had three names, the Caesar Johnson in the state of Illinois. It was others, but they were younger than me. And the very first name I called, uh, it was the guy. And so did you open the phone book? I mean, I, I was Caesar on the internet, Johnson. the phone okay. book. I, okay. I mean, I was just, you, and his name was spelled differently. So it helped, helped me because his name was spelled differently than the typical Caesar that most people know. And so it really did help me navigate and get down to a, a uh, the spelling. Well, all, all, I'm sitting here as a deputy secretary of state at that time. Uh, it's about 10 in the morning and I'm struggling with all of this. And I called my wife who was still in Northwest Arkansas. And I said, how do I get someone to take my phone number down when I call? I'm about to call these three numbers. And my wife asked why. And I said, well, if they struggle with something I'm saying or they're shocked by something and hang up the phone, at least they have my number if they want to call me back. And you have to know my wife. Well, you just call. You always analyze and get out of your head. Just make the phone call. You waited your whole life. And that was not the response I wanted. Uh, and if any of your guys and listeners out there married to, your, you know, just listen to your wife and do what she says. That's it makes right. life a lot simpler. Uh, anyway, so I hung up the phone and did what she said. And I made the phone call. And the older woman answered the phone. And uh, I said, hey, my name is Joseph. I'm here in Arkansas. I'm looking for a guy by the name of Caesar Johnson. He spells his name differently. He saved someone. And I'm just trying to, and that stopped in her track, save someone. My husband saved someone. That kind of like woke her up. And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, he does spell his name differently. How do you spell it? And I spelled it. She said, that's correct. That's correct. She said, save somebody. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, what's your phone number? Huh. There she is. Now I'm a little you. surprised by this. <laughs> and now I start crawfishing and backpedaling. But well, well, why do you need my phone number? And she said, well, he's 80 years old. He's hard of hearing. And I may have to switch phones. And all of a sudden, I'm back in my head. I'm, if he's 80 and I'm 45, then yeah. that make the man, this may be the guy. And I'm having this conversation in my head. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden I hear, hello, what's your phone number? And I'm like, oh, well, my number is four, seven. And she said, hold on. You said save somebody. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, oh, was the baby he saved? Yes, ma'am. Are you the baby he saved? Yes, ma'am. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, she went into this melt, Holy Ghost meltdown. Jesus, she's screaming. And, and, and I just, I'm in my office bawling. I just, I'm bawling Lord Jesus, it. Caesar, that baby you saved, Caesar. She's screaming and I'm bawling in my office. And Caesar finally comes to the phone. Caesar's 80 years old. And he's very different than his wife, Miss Ruthie. Uh, <laughs> he comes to the phone. Hello. And I'm, I'm trying to breathe. I can't breathe. And hello, hello. He can't hear anything. And she's in the backdrop and she tells him and he comes back. Oh, my gosh. You alive? Oh, my. I remember like it was yesterday. That had to be 50 years ago. And I'm crying. No, it was, it was only 45 years ago. You know, I had to make sure. He, but he goes on to tell this story that it was one of the coldest days in Chicago. He was a night supervisor at the Campbell Soup Manufacturing Plant. And he just put his wife and kids to bed, put his coat and scarf and hat on. He walked out of his apartment complex, and there was a box in front of his uh, complex. 
and with a blanket that was moving. He thought it was an animal or something. So he took his foot to move the blanket and the blanket moved. It was a kid. That kid was me. And he started looking up and down the street trying to figure out where this kid came from. And couldn't see anything. The snow and ice was blowing. So he carefully picked the box up. He walked back in, woke his wife, woke his neighbors. They started walking around the neighborhood trying to figure out where I came from and uh, couldn't find anybody that came back to the apartment. Uh, they eventually called the Chicago police. The Chicago police came. They went around the neighborhood trying to figure out where this kid came from. They came back and they told uh, Mr. Johnson, hey, you saved this kid. He would have froze out here. It's about eight degrees and we're going to take him downtown to the orphanage. And and that was that was he said that was 50, 45 years ago. Oh my gosh. And you're alive. I'd love to see you. And I said, well, I'll be in Chicago. And we had a great relation. He passed about six years later at about 86. But he was a Korean veteran. I, I think I shared this. Um, yeah. Who struggled uh, mm. after coming back from Korea. Sure. Uh, lost some of his friends in Korea, and 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 uh, so his family just watched all this. Uh, he he was loved by his family, but again, they just watched him in this. And again, you have a lot of veterans who kind of struggle with this why why my buddy and not me type of thing. And uh, but his family said when I connected with him, it did something for him. Uh, before he passed away, the state of Illinois gave him a citation saying thank you for serving our country. And thank oh, you for good. saving this kid because Arkansas gets the deputy secretary of state who's now running for county judge in Arkansas. Uh, his family has been in His family heard history all through his life about me. I never knew that. Uh, he had invited me to a family reunion to be a speaker. And they're a big family, very tight-knit family. I went to go speak at their uh, family reunion. And they were men crying after I spoke to them. And they didn't under- I didn't understand why. And it was because every summer they look forward to going to see Uncle Caesar in Chicago, and he would tell the story about this kid that he found, and now here's this kid that they, that he found standing in front of him. So it was a journey. It's been a journey. It is a it is a story uh, like I've never heard. Wow, well, let's wow. just talk about God's hand through your entire life. Absolutely. So, how many days old do you think you were when you were? Were you newborn? They think I was newborn, no more than two weeks old. There's no umbilical cord or anything like that. Okay, okay. Uh, When we later got to the orphanage, the orphanage still exists downtown Chicago. Now it's Catholic Charities. They don't do kids anymore. Uh, I think in the mid-73, 74, across the country, most orphanages closed down, and that's when the Department of uh, Human Human Services Services and Children and Family Services came about. But they still feed the homeless. They still do church services. It's a beautiful place downtown Chicago. Um, but anyway, they kept records of every kid that came in. And so when I came in, they noted that I was about five pounds. Again, they couldn't tell the age, but they didn't think it was much more than a couple of weeks. Um, five pounds in good condition considering where they found me. Um, and eventually he, he, he warmed up well to all the, all the other kids there and, um, the nuns and care technicians just went on there. But anyway, so I was about a little less than two weeks old when I, when I was there. Uh, and then eventually I got, uh, into foster um, I had a couple of uh, my parents who came there looking for a girl that had my te- my mother was a teacher and in her high school yearbook she wrote I want to be a teacher and I have a house full of kids and my dad was a construction worker well she graduated from high school went on to become a teacher married my dad five years of marriage no kids and it just frustrated her because she can go to school and have all these kids but she wanted them kids at home and my dad did not like coming home from work because she put them back to work. She wanted to get pregnant and have kids. Oh. And, uh, and back then, you didn't wait on a piece of paper to see if you were pregnant. You had to go to the hospital. And so my oh. grandmother said, she just put all their business in the street every week. Can you take me to the hospital? I'm like, what, do you guys do anything else? And 
Anyway, uh, she eventually asked my dad, hey, let's go downtown to the orphanage and we can uh, foster a little girl. And he was like, great, that, that'll get you off my back. And <laughs> anyway, they get there and she sees all these kids and he had to know her. She did love children. And she said, I want all of them. And then she sees this little boy and she said, nope, I want to foster this little boy. And so they started fostering me. And a year later, she got pregnant and had my brother. A year after that, she got pregnant again and had my sister. A year after that, she got pregnant again and had my brother. It's almost as if the Lord heard her say, I want a house full of kids. But he said, I got a plan for you. Go and get this kid first. Well, the nuns and the care technicians got real concerned that they would never adopt me because they started having their own kids. And where are they going? And so they kept calling Caesar Johnson, the guy who found me, and see yeah. if he wanted to adopt me. And, and he was like, oh, I already got three kids. And so it was a kind of an interesting piece because they didn't know. And so... Um, at 10 years old, they adopted me. And, and so that was how I got adopted. At what age were you placed in, and they were the Wood family, I would assume. The Wood family, yeah. they got me, I was a little more than a year and a half, somewhere in that about a year, year and a half uh, time frame that they started the process of fostering me. And, and they would go back and forth between the orphanage and home. And they had the people, the nuns and the care technicians come to the house to do the studies and all that. Um, I remember the, I, I don't remember at one and a half, I remember all the way up until I was adopted at 10 years old okay. that there was always the back and forth going back to see how things were coming, how he's adjusting with the family and all this type of thing. And, and I actually remember being in court when the judge said, because uh, my really? name was Thompson at that time. And we were in court and he, I remember these two things. Do you love your mother? Absolutely. Yeah, I love my mom. What are you talking about? Does everybody go through this? He said, well, your name is about to change from Thompson to Wood. Uh, are you good with that? And I remember writing Thompson and kindergarten first second grade type yeah. of thing and uh i say yeah sure and so that's that that was the adoption official adoption piece. then what was the thompson name from because you didn't know who your mother was i didn't know my so the the and i found out uh maybe six years ago who named me joseph i always thought that my birthday they found me on march 20th in the catholic church march march 19th of saint joseph's day and i just assumed and that's what my mother who adopted me kind of thought that that's how they get the name that was not correct. I found out seven years ago that Sister Mary Josephine Talsma is the one who named me. Oh. Because in the orphanage, every the most senior nun at the time names the next kid that came in. Well, it was her turn. And her, everybody knew if a girl came in, her name would be Josephine. If a boy came in, it would be Joseph. And when I came in, oh. I was Joseph. Now, I didn't know that. And Sister Mary Josephine Talsma ends up telling me that. Well, how did I know? Chicago Tribune, um, Chicago Tribune, Mary Schmidt, uh, uh, a prize writer, had wrote an article about Caesar and I. Arkansas state uh, official comes to yeah. Chicago and meets the guy who finds him. And she did this, this article. Well, Sister Mary had got out of the nun, got out of the, the nunnery or the yeah, convent. She, yeah. <laughs> and, and she got married. And see, one Sunday, she's in the kitchen reading her newspaper, having coffee with her husband, and she sees this article of this guy meeting, and she said, oh, this is my baby. Oh, and she's telling her husband this story. And two years later, I'm in Chicago at this reunion, and I'm the guest speaker. She's there with her husband. And she said, I named him. That's my baby. And, and oh, so goodness. she comes, and she, and she it just warmed her. She, she passed away, but that was one of the more, and to, to meet these nuns and meet these care technicians, they still have hearts for these kids that have come through those doors. And that home going, Lisa, if you ever put on your bucket list a thing to go and see, let's go there uh, to meet and see some of the care technicians mm. and nuns who comes together once a year 
and share stories and have little keepsakes that they had of these kids. And you walk in, they remember some. They remember me, and I'm. It's just a blowing, mind blowing piece. Now, when you were raised by the Wood family, did you look like them? Did you ever? I mean, kids don't question that they're adopted or a birth family, but. Did you think, you know, maybe their eyes were blue or they were short or you were tall or no. anything like that? No, I I, I, I knew I was adopted because they, they did tell me. They didn't keep okay. that from me. Good. Uh, and I had, it wasn't so much the family as it was the friends. Why don't you act like your brothers and sisters? Okay. You don't look like them. You, okay. you know, so so some of those things started to tie into, well, I am adopted. And, and so probably about. 12 or 13 is when I really said, Ma, I want to know who my birth parents are. And, and she said, well, why don't you wait till you're 18? Because then you'll be of age. You and, and so the longest years were high school years because I just wanted to hurry up and go through those mm-hmm. so I can turn 18 and go find my birth family and say, hey, I'm okay. Whatever mm-hmm. happened, happened and all. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, at 17 years old, 11 months, 29 days, I went to my mother and said, hey, Ma, we got the money. We're going to get the private eye. And she's like, for what? I said, to find my birth family and my wow. birth mom. And she just broke down. My whole life, she was my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. Mm-hmm. But this was one thing she just could not get her arms around. Was I not a good mom? Mm-hmm. Did I do something wrong? Are you going to leave me and go somewhere? I'm sitting here like, I'm, I'm at 17, 18. I'm not trying to get another mother telling me what to do. I'm ready to go to college and be done with everybody telling me what, you know, that typical thing. But it was this something she couldn't understand, this whole identity piece. Uh, and it's hard. And I think your audience, uh, those who are adopted, that's that piece that we struggle with. You grow up and you don't think about who your mom and dad is because you know who mom and dad is. Uh, Thanksgiving. Hey, somebody says, oh, Fisher, you chew that. that t- Lisa, you chew that turkey long like Uncle Phil. And everybody knows it. But when they say that to someone adopted, well, OK, are they just saying it? And mm-hmm. you no, know, who do I look like? I've been married now 30 years. And people say, hey, you and your, your wife, man, you get 30 years. You guys like sisters, brothers and sisters. Don't say that to somebody adopted. It could be my sister, right? <laughs> right? It's stuff that you guys don't think about, but we think about a lot. I know. See? Oh my goodness! And thanks. But I did. I, I I was the. It was. We were stair steps. They adopted me, and then my brother, my sister, yeah. my baby brother. So we're one, two, three, four. Uh, and we, we, I mean, they, every now and again, you're not our brother anyway. That's just typical brother sister mm-hmm. fighting. Um, but again, I knew it was something more and I wanted to just, and I wrestled a lot. I struggled a lot. Uh, they called it, the word is trauma today. Back then, I didn't know what it was. I just called it a teen struggling Mm -hmm. as most teens do puberty and trying to figure out who they are, where they're going. And is she going to say yes to you going to prom and Mm -hmm. why I've got pimples on my face. Mm -hmm. We go through all that, but I had the added piece and most adopters had the added piece of, man, I wonder where do I get this? quirk from or mm-hmm. no where do I get my eyes those, those types of things that you struggle with and when you adopted the other piece becomes I was abandoned what did I what did I do sometimes oh, what did God. I do wrong and then when you get beyond that then is it but for me was my mother a prostitute uh was she too mm-hmm. young was she too old was she in an interracial relation that wasn't acceptable yeah. uh am I a product of incest um mm-hmm. I don't I all these things I wrestle with and each time I come up on one of them I would spend months marinating on it and finally get to a place where I would say I guess it didn't matter she had me I guess and then I That's get right. to the next one I had to struggle with that and then I get back to I guess it didn't matter she had me she was courageous Shaw is what me missed us and she Meeting Mr. Caesar, he put it in perspective. He said, I said that same thing about how I struggled growing up and my 
teens and 20s. And, and, and I said, the only way I got through it is writing and having my relation with the Lord, but saying, I guess it didn't matter. She had me. And he said, well, she more than had you. She must have loved you because she put you in a place where you'd be found. She could have put you in a plastic bag and left you in the alley and I would have never right. found you. I would have mm-hmm. never saw you. Uh, so she must have loved you to put you in a place and have a blanket and, and leave you in, a, in front of the doorstep where clearly she may have knew I was coming out. Um, yeah. And I didn't know. I, I, so. Did she live in the So what did you resolve? Did she live in the building? Where was she? No, no. That's so. So um, the detectives who called me up and told me that they found my birth family, which would be coming up on a year in December, December uh, Christmas Eve. Um, <sighs> they said, we knew we found your birth family. Because we pulled back your foundling certificate, it says you were found at this address on Market Road, and the birth family lived at 525 Market Road. You were found at 634 Market Road, literally one block away. They lived in an apartment unit. Uh, there was a few more houses, a big school, a few more houses, and then the apartment complex that that I was found in, in front of. Uh, the interesting piece is when i found mr caesar i ended up writing a children's book saving joey and it was the story i just shared with your audience and you and then after that i i did another book called adopting joy but in saving joy i didn't know this that that she lived down the street i didn't know anything about her all i know is this guy found me in a box in the children's book i said it's a basket for children but mm-hmm. it's actually it was actually a box i don't know how i got there and the story i just wrote I believe my mother was a young woman, teen, who took the bed, uh, bedding off her, uh, the blankets off her bed, and wrapped me up and put me in a blanket in her from her cl- a, blo- a basket from her closet, and walked down the street, and then put me in front of this complex, hid behind a tree. I never knew that she literally was down. I didn't write that she got on the bus or that she was on the train. And I used to ask the Lord, how did how did I write that? How did I know that? And it was almost like He told me. He said, because you were there. That's right. And and I just spoke that into you because I woke up at two in the morning and wrote these these books. It is just all of it. I just wrote the two books at two in the morning and, and it just came to me. It was the Lord spoke through me uh, and then to find out that she actually lived right down the street. And so my sister, my biological sister and I, we went back there and uh, to see the actual place where they, she was growing up and where I was found and come so to find out. So you have siblings? When, Do you have siblings? Oh, Wow. Yes. I, that's right. I can go into all that. Yes. So I have my, um, they called me up. So National Adoption Awareness Month, I do a pitch that, hey, recognize and acknowledge those who open up their homes to adopt and foster. On, and then Fox News and Washington Times, yeah. Family Life Today did a two-day story. So last year, there was a lot of media going around about this story. Mm-hmm. Chris, Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving evening after dinner, I get an email it was from C.C. Moore. C.C. Moore is what they call America. She's America's genealogist. She's a DNA detective. She has a TV show called The DNA Detective. Oh, she does the forensic files. She helps solve cold wow. cases using DNA technology. And But she started helping people find people. She sent me a note that evening saying, I want to help you find your birth family. Why? I, I know who she is. How does she know who I am? Well, that's because she saw all the news pieces and it popped up on her. And she, for her, that is the family that she is most drawn to, those who are foundlings, who don't have any any ties, any relations. Yeah. And she said, you cannot be on this earth without having a sense of connecting to who. And so I said, well, I, we connected a few days later. I said, well, I know who you are. 
I really, man, admire some of the stuff you do, but I've been searching for 57 years. You're not going to find anything. <laughs> I appreciate that. It was like she was reaching through the phone and patting me on my head. Yeah, yeah, but that's not what you do. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Let me work on it. And literally, Christmas Eve, uh, in fact, it was December 23rd, she called and said, we found your birth family. And I just was, my my wife, my daughter, I'm like, are you serious? No way. I said, where's my mother? I got to re- I, And she said, well, well, your mom passed away. She passed in 1978. In 1978, she was 36 years old. And ah, so fish, Lisa, I just crashed. I went straight up. I went straight back down. I said, she passed away. She was 36. I said, man, what? she passed a, a breast cancer. Really? Ooh, wow. And, and your dad mm. passed away in 2007. Your granddaddy just passed in 2020. He was 99 years old. Oh, um, my gosh. You, were your mom and dad you, married? They were not. They were not married. Okay. You were the baby of four. I was the okay. baby of four. She had you at 21, 20 or 21. Wow. So so you're the baby wow. of four, and you have a sister who's one year older than you. You have a brother who's two years older than you. He passed away already, and you have a brother who's six years older than you. So she had her first kid when she was about 14. And, and then they sent her from Georgia to Chicago, and then she had my brother, my sister, and then myself. Um, but whatever happened, happened and that she ended up walking down the street. Um, so anyway, so I'm the baby of four, which is interesting because I just told you and your audience that I was adopted. I was the oldest of four on my adopted yeah, side. No. And Isn't I'm that, the baby of four on the similar, baby side. Yes, it's the opposite of that story. Uh, yeah. um, did they raise those other children or did she as a single mother raise the siblings? That, so the grandparents, my grandparents on my mother's side raised my oldest brother. Okay. Oh, because that's where they were from Georgia. Okay. That's right. So showed the grandparents and they sent her to Chicago. The grandparents raised him. So she was she was young, fourteen. Yes. Like what fourteen can raise a kid in their mind. And so they we're gonna send you Chicago. So she went to Chicago, but she ended up raising the uh the other two, my brother and my sister as a single. Oh wow. And then they obviously I was giving so the story, they heard a story that mama had another son and gave him up for adoption. My sister was too young to, she said, I may have heard that two or three times. Her, my brother, who was two years older than me, he heard that a little bit more because he spent a lot of time uh, uh, with cousins who heard that. So he heard that a little more frequent because he hung out with all of the fellas and cousins. So he always wanted to find out where his baby brother was. Mm. The sister just, she just didn't know. And then when I connected with her, it just, it just surprised her. I heard the story. Oh my gosh. But she had to reconcile as the family did that it wasn't that she gave this kid up for adoption. It was that he was abandoned left. Yeah. And she was like, Oh, in a box. And she struggled with that, but she said, I can't understand. And I, I just accepted that. I didn't understand all the dynamics of what was going on at that time. People in Arkansas listening right now are going to be so happy when I tell you this, that the brand new New and improved location of Ankles Carpet One is now open. Yes, the store that's been working on a remodel, bringing in product from all over, making it a one-stop shop for anyone remodeling, anyone buying, anyone just needing to spruce up, let's say, you know, a powder bath. They've got it all at Ankles Carpet One. Yes, and when I mean all, I mean everything but the roof. That means they can sell you the flooring, that can be hardwoods. That can be the LVP, the luxury vinyl plank that everybody's crazy about. It could be actual carpet you might need. Well, let's say you're thinking, no, I need new cabinets for that bathroom. 
Check. They've got that too. Maybe you want something that uh, for your outdoor rooms that you want to live in, like their indoor rooms. You know how they have that flooring. They've got it, guys. They've got it all. Countertops. They can help you with anything. Backsplash for the shower. I mean, what have I missed? (laughs) They have it all. And you can find out more by going to their website and seeing the deals they have. Because this, I know, they have zero interest if paid within full, within the 12 months. So, Think about that. Saves you money on the front end. You're happy on the back end. And everyone will be happy to know you shopped at AcolsCarpetOne.com. You look like them, your biological siblings? I, so so my brother, absolutely, the one who passed away, absolutely. In fact, some of my aunties, it's, it's really mm-hmm. an amazing piece. When they see me, they see him. Uh, his buddies, he, he never was married. He never had kids. But he was their godfather to a lot mm-hmm. of kids. And so when they lost him, they lost a good godfather because mm-hmm. he was such, such a great love of Chicago Bears. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he in fact, he loved the Bears so much. He had season tickets. He would travel all over the country to watch them play. <laughs> wow. he, he has a Bears on his grave. I mean, he's he was deep in. In wow. fact, he told his family one day, our family, that, hey, whenever I die one day, I want my ashes spread on the 50-yard line of the Bears at Soldier's Field. <laughs> I like the Bears. I love Walter Payton. And one of the aunties heard me say that. She said, I got something. She came back and she had gave, given me a picture frame of Walter Payton that my brother had. Uh, it was, it's, it is. And what did they, they call me. Walter Payton? What was his name? Sweetness. Sweetness. Yes, sweetness. Oh, yeah. I was, wow. That's what it was. In fact, we went to the reunion, their family reunion. So I just met my sister. You this go to year. more family reunions than anybody <laughs> I've ever known. And then, and this, I got a big because these people have all connected. I went yeah. to uh, to my biological family reunion. So I met my sister Father's Day weekend. My biological sister finally connected with her and said, uh, "Hey, in I'm coming to Chicago." Was this in this past twenty twenty two? Just this year, because remember, last December yeah, is when yeah, I right. found out that I had siblings, and it took me six months. To connect and reach somebody, and I finally connected with her and said, "I'm coming to Chicago." And she said, "Great, uh, we're going to have lunch, and I'll pay for it." And I'm bringing my husband. You bring your wife. And I said, "Well, no, you don't have to pay for it." She said, "I know I don't have to pay for it. I'm going to do it anyway." Then I realized that that's what happens when you're the baby. You just get told what to do. And <laughs> I like because I, my right. sister on my adopted side said, "How's that going to work? That you're the oldest on this one. I know. Always trying to tell people what to do and run stuff, and we have to tell you ain't our daddy." To being a baby. I'm like, I don't know, because that's the kid, that, that's the child that frustrates me the most is the baby. No, no, right? Because no. they always, they're rebels, they get away with murder. And that's right. I don't know how that's going to work. Well, I figured that's out cute. that it, it works because they get you get told what to do. But anyway, we went to Chicago. We met her. My brother-in-law, he was sitting there like, man, I can see it all in you. Wow. And, um, and then I had a cousin who drove two and a half hours to see me at that, that meetup. We did, my family is huge. And they, every two years, they do a family reunion. Last year, two years ago, they didn't because of the COVID. So 2022 was when they were doing it again. But in those two years, they would do a Zoom meeting just to keep the family connected. <laughs> That's sweet. And they plan. And so they put me on the Zoom in uh, July. And they were just stunned. They were sitting there, aunties, which is my <laughs> father's brothers. They're looking, well... I, the next month was at the reunion, and I'm sitting here amazed at all these people. And they said, no, this is small. I said, huh? They said, this is our first one since the, since the COVID, so oh, this goodness. is small. I'm blown away how many people at this thing. Campers, I mean, some of the land that they were on, my aunts own it. I saw the church that our family owned. Wow. It, was, it was so powerful. 
But one of the aunts, my dad's sister, uh, maybe 77 years old, she saw me getting out of the car with my family, and I just saw her hiking. She was running, and I didn't think anything of it. I had already met her, and we breaking down and eating. That evening, we're back at the hotel, and she said, hey, did you see me running? Uh, I said, when, I, when we got there, yeah, you start running. She said, when your brother had a condo, he lived in Chicago, but he also had a condo in Georgia. I lived there, so I cleaned it up after he passed away. And as I'm cleaning it up, your brother was so meticulous. He's always dressed to the nine. Well, he had this one particular linen suit that I just love. And I said, I'm going to keep it and maybe get it to one of the cousins or nephews. Well, when you got out of the car, you had a white linen suit on and that white hat. I said, yeah. She said, the linen suit that your brother had was white. It was beautiful. And my sister, biological sister, said she pulled the picture. She said he loved that. And she shows me the picture. It's him in a white linen suit with a hat Is on. Right? And and she said, I just I had to run and get in the car and start crying. I just saw her running. I didn't know where she went. She was running. She said, because you look just like and you act like him. You sound like him. But boy, when I saw you getting out of the car, it was like he was walking back into the reunion. Unbelievable. So it's a it's a powerful, powerful D- piece. God has orchestrated this. That's all oh, kind of absolutely. It, it, he sifted his holy hand, sifted it, and knew absolutely that it would right. all come to this fruition. So, which is so beautiful, and DNA is so powerful too. It is. Um, it is. Why do you think so many members of your family succumb to death at such young ages? Now, breast cancer in your thirties is very oh, young and oh, yes. not typical. You know, she could, but stress we know contributes to her health. She, That's correct. Being a single mother in a time when there was no support Nothing. for single mothers in the 60s and 70s. So she may have been led a very stressful life. But why do you think your brother died and maybe your father died? Do you know the cause so, of their So deaths? I don't, I, my dad had, uh, um, he, they believe there was stuff in the uh, manufacturing plants that he may have been breathing. So oh, it was some respiratory, is- which was the same thing for my brother. My brother had a, a chronic asthma. Mm. At age 45, 46, I ended up getting diagnosed as having adult onset asthma. Is Never had right? anything in Chicago. And I thought uh, Governor Beebe, who was a, a, a chain smoker, my office was next to his. Yeah. And I used to go in his office, you got to stop smoking. You, I'm just yeah. getting locked up. One day I got rushed to the hospital because I couldn't breathe. And they said, you have adult onset asthma. So now I and I now find out that my family has had bronchial and respiratory mm-hmm. concerns. So it may, now as a as for no other reason, states should allow kids who are adopted to have or say kids uh, have folks have access to their uh, adoption records for their medical purposes. Yeah, I agree. No, I have three daughters. And yep. when I found out my mother passed of uh, breast cancer, Man, to just send yeah, alarms. That's right. Now, my sister, my biological sister, said she is fine. She's healthy. And there's mm-hmm. no issues, no problems. Uh, but I don't know if it's skip, skip a generation or was it something unique to mama? I don't know. Now, so now I got my three daughters just being very conscientious. Yeah. When you're you're doing your exams and I'll be extra mm-hmm. careful and conscious uh, just because we know that that could be in the family history. My granddad, like I said, he was 99. So, and wow. I got five of the 12. My dad, dad was one of 12 brothers and sisters. Five of them are still living. They're all girls. All the boys passed away. Um, all the boys were hard charges into yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girls were the ones who went to school, got all this education, and they watched, tried to manage the boys as best they can. But they're ranging anywhere from 70. Four is uh, the youngest to maybe 87, 88 is one of the oldest yeah. sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Surviving, pretty long right? on yeah. that side. Yeah. 
Um, just because it's National Adoption Awareness Month, I want to weave this story in. My son-in-law has spoken before before the state, like for either the call, which mm. is you know a fostering agency, or I sit on the state board of the call. Okay, well then. I don't know if you were there a few years ago. He was one of the speakers because of his unique story. And I don't want this about me, but just because people will understand um, a similar situation in that John Head is his name, precious thing. He Hmm. was put up for adoption with a 17-year-old mother and a 16-year-old father. And it was an interracial relationship in the 90s. And her family wasn't her white family. The mom was white. Wasn't going to have it. So they shipped him to Arkansas. They were in a small town in Texas. And they shipped him to Arkansas. And in Blytheville, they got connected with Bethany Christian Services. Yep. Which is obviously a Christian service organization Mm -hmm. that places children. So they were putting him into foster care at first, and a white family in Little Rock, the Heads, Donna and Bill Head, had been fostering, um, and they fostered through the years 30 children, 30 babies, and they ended up keeping two. My son-in-law is one of them because he had special physical needs at first, and then he had some sleep apnea, and Donna Head was Mm. a nurse. So they kept him, fell in love with him because he's just yummy. I mean, we wow. just wow. love this, our son-in-law. Um, but he, so he knew it was very open. The, the, the mom and dad ended up marrying years later and had two wow. more children. Wow. So John always wondered, but why'd you give up me? That's right. That's just exactly out of curiosity. Right. Now that he's a dad of two, I don't know if he still yes. feels that way. But when we first met him and he was early 20s, he would say, but why'd they... Why'd they give up me? They they sure. ended up marrying, having two other children. Yep. But throughout his life, it was very open. The people who had, who his biological mother in Texas would write him letters, would oh, wow. send him gifts for his birthday. And the head family who adopted him protected him, kind of like your mother did, yep. saying, yep. he said, well, now I'm ready to go reconcile yes. or meet with them. Sure. Sure. And the heads would go, just a minute. Just They said 18, sure. and John badgered and badgered and badgered. <laughs> and at 16, John Woo. met with them. They, uh, the caseworker came, the, the original caseworker on his adoption wow. came, wow. and they all went to the burger joint in Little Rock, whatever sure. it was. And John said, when he saw, it makes me cry, but when he saw his biological brother and sister, who he looked just like. He said when they ordered their hamburgers, John and his dad had some quirky thing that they did with their burger with no bun and mayonnaise (laughs) on the side and french fries identical. And John said, this is so interesting, that they even smelled the same. He said, I walked in and there was something about their pheromones. Right, we, right. Does that? I don't even. I don't know the difference because I, I was raised, you know, with my biological sure. mother. I was adopted at twelve because of an over. My mother overdosed, and my cousins mm. adopted me. But I had a great relationship with my biological mother, and I knew I was living with people who weren't my own. Right. That's but when, then, That's when correct. you get reconciled with the people who are your own, it's some magic. It's, it's so so man, Miss Lisa. That's a, that's interesting. You say that. I, I was last night. I was speaking at pregnancy um, choices pregnancy center during their annual banquet, and and again with Roe v. Wade changing and yeah. all, they asked me to be their keynote and all. And I talked about a little bit of this, the the work that has to happen. But uh, before I started, I shared with some folks. I said, you know, in the world of adoption, I think you have fifty percent of those kids who are adopted who does not care to know who their birth family is because in their mind 
They've been abandoned once. They don't want to deal with any more of that. Mm-hmm. They're just going to love on the people who taken, who's taking care of them now. I still think it's a ruse or a, raw, a wall that they just don't want to enter into what is trauma. what could possibly happen. Call that trauma. It may not be a reconciling. Right. Mm-hmm. It could be a second. Then there's another 50% that do, does want to find out mm-hmm. what happened. How are mm-hmm. they? What, what did I do wrong? Or what was going on that you gave me away and not somebody else if there's others and all? However, in that search in that 50%, they are still internally wondering, will it be reconciled mm. or will it be a, you know what, I, this is supposed to be taken to the grave. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to find. And so that happens. And so all of them does not come to be a, uh, a reconciliation where there is, um, I'm going to say, and, and it's all happy and you know, no, right. unicorns mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Sometimes it can be yeah. really a, a, the orphanage that I tell you that, that it still exists. Um, once, a, once a quarter, uh, we, we do Zoom calls. And then once a year, we get together and actually do a home, what they call a homecoming, because that's the place of our original home. And when we do these Zoom calls, and even when we get together, it is another, if you will, reunion because we feel so knitted because we all know what it's like to be in this place and come from this place. But we hear these stories, man, Joy, they call me Joy. Joy, you, you end up finding your birth sister. And, and so they can kind of hear some of those. And then we'll hear from say Diane. Diane is like, yeah, I met my birth mom. She's 88, I'm 60 and we go to the mall, we eat, but she will not tell her husband and she will not tell her other is kids. So, that's so, so you see, it just, everybody's different. And, and you, I, even finding my sister, I had wrote to them. And I, so I found my birth. They called me on Christmas Eve, December 23rd. They, that evening, it was late. So it was almost Christmas Eve, December 23rd. I was grieving because I lost people again yeah, right. that I won't never see and mm-hmm. be able to I talk to and get questions answered. Uh, so my parent, my my family couldn't understand why I was so. It was just a lot, right? Because mm-hmm. my whole life I've been looking. Well, in January I finally said sent a letter to my sister and my brother that were living and saying, "Hey, will you consider doing a DNA to get some information?" I said I've been working on my family tree, and it looks like we have some common relatives, and I would say some names that they would know. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go right out and say, I'm your baby brother, mm-hmm. because I don't know what they know. And I don't know how they would right. receive that. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't want them to just cut you off yep. right off the bat. But, hey, I'm working on my family tree here in Arkansas. It looks like we got some relatives in common. And I would say a name of an uncle or a cousin that I know they would know. Would you and I'll pay for your DNA so you can figure out where your origins come. But it will help me in my tree piece. Well, I sent that in January. Nothing. Zero. Mm-hmm. February, nothing, heard nothing from them. So then I said, okay, I'm going to send an email. So in late February, March, I sent emails to them that, of emails that I had, nothing. This is March, April. So in, in April, I started calling. And as I just started calling, my brother, my older brother, six years older, I think he had maybe eight numbers. And I called all of them and maybe one went into a voicemail. You are persistent. My sister only had two numbers and one went into a voicemail. And again, nothing. So I say, I, I, let me see. I call back to the detective, detectives. What about some of my aunts that are around? Can I go ahead and just reach out to them? And I could be maybe a little bit more forward with them. And I called 
uh, no responses. I'm like, well, this is driving me crazy. And I, now, mind you, I'm running for lieutenant governor at this point, and I have a huge county that I'm responsible for right. as a as county a judge, judge right? of, of this uh, county judge. And so I'm working through all this, trying to manage all this. And all of a sudden, I said, I got a call from one of the detectives and said, hey, there's an attorney in Chicago. His name is Robert Sharp. I said, yeah, I've, in my research, I heard he's like a second cousin. He does a lot in genealogy. They said, well, he's not your second cousin. He's your first cousin. So his dad would be your dad's brother. I'm like, really? You might want to reach out to him. I said, absolutely. Reached out to him and started saying, hey, doing a lot of work on my tree. I see you do a lot of work on your trees. We have a lot. In fact, your dad is my dad's brother. He said, what, really? Hold on, what's your dad's name? And I said, his name is um, Cologne Sharp. He said, we don't have a Cologne Sharp. He said, just like that, we don't have a Cologne Sharp in the family. I've been working on this tree. I said, yeah. In fact, he had a, a, a older son named this. He had a son who passed away. And when I said he had a son that passed away, he's like, yeah. And I said, and then he has a daughter named Diane. He said, yeah, that's my cousin. He said, what's your name? I started telling him again. And uh, I, how did you get in the family then? I said, well, uh, I was abandoned. I started telling him this story. He said, I never heard such a story in my life. Wow. Oh, my gosh. He said, for real? He said, but, but Cologne Sharp, we don't have a Cologne Sharp. Then he said, hold on, my dad. Jabbo? Uncle Jab? My dad's middle name is Jay. I didn't know what it stood for. It was Cologne, Jabbo, Sharp. Everybody in the family calls him Jab or Uncle Jab. I love that. And when he said, Uncle Jab, I'm like, I, he said, oh, my gosh. And you said Diane. I said, Diane is his, his daughter. She would be my big sister by a year. He said, oh, that's my cousin. Hold on. And he called her. And he said, hey, cuz. And she says, hey, Robert, how are you? He said, hey, cuz, you're not going to believe this. He's an older cousin. He's like three years older than us, four years mm -hmm. older than me. He says, cuz, you're not going to believe this. I think I got your baby brother on the line. And he just started dumping, and I am in shock. I'm on the phone like, no, no, don't do it. And he just goes on. He's just saying it. And she's like, what? And she, he goes on again. And she said, oh. So I think it started, oh, I got a letter from this guy. I got a phone call right, from check, this guy. Check. I heard a story or two that mama gave another kid. Are you serious? And now we're all talking on the phone. And then like true big cousin, he said, I got to get ready for graduation. You two exchange numbers and call each other back. Good. And we did. So and Robert that was, was that the was one how who we tied met. those loose ends. Robert tied. He pushed it. It was no way that I would have done it that way. What does Robert do? But because do he was for, a relative and cousin. Yeah. What does Robert do for a living? Do you know? He's an attorney. Okay downtown Chicago, but at that day he was preparing to go to graduation. He started working in uh, getting his uh, divinity. Uh, He's going into the ministry. That is amazing. So for him, it was it was divine. Yes. I mean, that was just a powerful piece for him. But he loves the family genealogy stuff. And so he's always been, I told you, I got a big family. And yeah. Man, I could, they, and they, are, they got pictures and they got the church awesome. and all the cemetery. So, so was your legal mind then, because, you know, nurture and nature is always an argument, right? And DNA, right. we know, That's has right. a lot to do with who we are. But then where where we're raised has a lot to do Absolutely with who we are. Right. So where That's do you correct. think you got your legal mind from? The Sharp family or from well, the Wood family? Uh, no. Well, so so first of all, I'm not a lawyer. Oh, that's and right. You're a county judge. That's right. Yeah, I'm a county. Right. But so, but I am a very. I do. I, my sister will say that a lot. Boy, you know you're sharp. Okay. Boy, you're sharp okay. because they're very. In fact, I t I've mentioned that they do Zoom. Yes. They were doing yes. Zoom meetings because of the pandemic. Yeah. The first Zoom is probably I don't know at least twenty five, thirty people on this Zoom call, and within the first two minutes, 
Diane finally spoke up and said, hey, I have my biological brother. She had already connected with some of them and let them know. She originally was not going to tell anybody because she said she doesn't want anybody judging my, our mother. Uh, I said, well, Diane, you told me that you reconciled, that you didn't know what was going on with mom at that time and thought that she did the best she could do at that time. And I'm telling you, I dealt with this for 57 years, so I know I'm good with it. Yeah. And if you and I are good, it doesn't matter what somebody else says. Right. And with that, she went ahead and started telling some of the aunts and uncles and this type of thing. So I'm on this Zoom two minutes in. She said, hey, this is my baby brother, Joey, and and he's on. And uh, they allowed me to start asking questions going around. Now, how are you tied to and all? But after that, after I went through and it took me maybe 15, 20 minutes to go around and figure out who is who. And I seen your name on the tree mm -hmm. and all this type of thing. It went into Okay, the women just start taking over. All right, we got the family reunion in two weeks. Have you got the bouncy ball, the bouncy ball re, uh, re, rental reserve yet? How much food have we got? Uh, have we got that all taken? And it just went. And I thought literally, I was in my house because that's my wife. That was all my three daughters. They just a boom, 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 boom. And that the Wood family is not as like mm -hmm. that. With the Wood family is a, I love my Wood family, but this this Sharp family. And my sister, she sees it. She said, oh, my gosh, you are sharp through I and through. It. I talked to my aunties. They hear it. They just, I was just amazed watching it. And I'm looking at the men on the yep. on the Zoom. And, and we're sitting there like, boy, we even say something. We get popped back down because these, these, they got strong women in our in that That's, sharp family. What brought you to Arkansas from Chicago? Um, there was a little company that was expanding and getting ready for Y2K. Um they may have some down in Texas. I know they got some in Georgia named Walmart. Yeah, right. um, mm -hmm. <laughs> Walmart was trying to bring, uh, get ready for Y2K yeah. in 1996. They recruited me in 97 to come to Northwest Arkansas to help guy? bring people. Uh, no, but I can recruit okay, them. Okay, and so yeah. that's what they brought me yeah. to do, to recruit. So I was an HR guy. Okay. So I came and, and so I recruited a lot of IT. And then I went to our pharmacy division. I ended in our international division hiring executives to run international, the countries that we would go into, China and yeah. India. Uh, so my backdrop was in business and HR. And so Walmart brought me in to do recruiting and, and executive development and hire folks for for the company to run their companies in different countries and all. So that's how I got So to at Arkansas. that time you knew you were adopted, but were you vocal in that community? Uh, yes. I, well, so I was always involved in public service, very involved in, in elections yeah. and this type of thing. And and very much uh, a part of the adoption world. I started to open up and talk about it back when I was in high school and, and even at the beginning of college. I didn't. Mm -mm. Oh, it was very. But one year in college, it was maybe a year after I, I went to my mother turning 18 yeah. and, and she just broke down. I stopped talking to her about yeah. it. I would go to my grandmother mm -hmm. and talk mm -hmm. to my grandmother. Well, then I find out my grandmother would go back and tell my mother. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and it was all, I didn't understand why they were doing that until I got married and had yeah. kids. Well, it's all about That's protection. Right. They didn't know what I would find. That's they didn't right. want me to be hurt by anything. And and I, I didn't understand that. I just wanted to know who I am and where I come from. They didn't understand that piece of it because they knew who they were. They knew where they came from. Um, so it was a struggle. And then I finally got to a place in, in uh, college where people started saying and hearing this, why are you struggling? I said, because I can't get access to information. I'm going to go downtown to, I mean, to go to Springfield, Illinois, 
Because if I'm old enough to go to war, if I'm old enough to carry a gun and drink and drive, I should be old enough to look at information that says who my mm-hmm. birth family are and what my medical history is. And the day I was going down there, I had a buddy who we were going to leave at 7 in the morning, drive a few hours to the Springfield, Illinois, the capital, and I was going to stay there, protest, whatever it was, until I got access to this information. I was probably 20 at that time. And I'm at my mom's house waiting on the, my buddy to come pick me up. He's coming, and at the same time he's he's on his way, I get a phone call from the neighbor across the street, or they call my mother. I answer the phone. Hey, Joey, how you are you home for the uh, spring or spring break? I said, yeah. She said, hey, can you drive me down? My car's down. Can you drive me to work this morning? I said, hey, I can't. I'm on my way to Springfield. She said, okay, well, I was calling to talk to your mom. Is Loretta around? I said, hold on. Hey, Ma. Miss Patterson's on the phone. She comes into the front room and she gets on the phone. I'm still waiting for my buddy to pull up. At this point, he's pulling up and I hear my mother say, he's going, why don't you ask Joey? And I hear Miss Patterson saying something. Oh, he's Springfield. What's in Springfield? Oh, and so she said, well, I'll take you, Helen. And she hangs up the phone, Helen Patterson. She hangs up the phone. She said, Helen said you're on your way to Springfield. By this point, my buddy's coming through the door. I said, yeah. She said, well, what's in Springfield? And I never lied to my mother. I said, I'm going down there to get my birth records and find it. And my mother just fell on the floor. Oh, she just started bawling. My buddy's like, what's going on? And I'm like, forget it. I'm not going. Because I I never, ever, my whole life with my mother and dad was all about uh, being grateful. I used to thank them all the time for adopting me. Thank you, thank you. And they would get mad. They didn't want me thinking of but that was one thing she just couldn't get her arms around. Why do you want to know this? Why do you want to know? And I just said, forget it. I'm not going to go. And he's like, you're not. So what? you abandoned and so that I, trip. He ended up leaving. You abandoned huh? So that we ended up canceling right. that trip. Mm. Yep. Because I didn't want to hurt her. But it didn't stop me from wanting to know. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, but and so this search has always been Wait, a part your, of my are your journey. Are the woods alive? Did you say? Uh, my mom okay. is not. The one who died, she she passed at 50 years oh. old, uh, diabetes complication. My dad will be celebrating and doing a big 80-year anniversary uh, birthday party for him in May. So okay, I'm good. pulling the good. family together to do a big family yeah. birthday reunion, if yeah. you will, for him. But he's 80, uh, and he knows the story. I mean, he knows yeah. all of it now. But she, she never saw that. She did get to a point where I got married and had kids. We really started to reconcile that one yeah, piece. I Everything understand. else in my life, she was all for but she finally got it because I can see from her lens now because I'm a, I'm a right. parent. She can see it from my lens that there's just a piece that she could never fulfill right. because she was not the birth mm-hmm. birth mom, if I, that makes totally any makes sense. sense. And, it's like yeah. my son-in-law. And she yeah, got I mean, it. I, I've seen that play out. Your story is amazing. I mean, it, wait, why did you have, you were Thompson before you were Wood? That's did, right. did we find out why you were Thompson? So the Thompson, they, I, I still okay. don't know how the Thompson they just, came. They believe it could have been uh, uh, the, one of the names of one of the officers. One of the officers was a female officer, and they said it could have been her okay. last name, Thompson. But the state, the state ended up giving me, either the state gave me that or it was one yeah. of the names of the officers. But the first name came from the nun. Yeah. Well, it's an yeah. incredible story. Yeah. I'm so glad you were able to tell it. I just cried for the first 15 oh. minutes. I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> the last 40 minutes, I've been dry-eyed and bushy-tailed. So I've loved oh. every minute of the it. Lord is, and I, your, your I, books, we'll put in the show notes. So people, sure. those, oh, are, good. those are good books that families can have and Excellent. have the conversations. 
we're working on the memoir and and oh, um, I, really hope that it maybe even more can be touched like this is us the just movie yeah, well, that's series what, and all that when i was telling my husband about it, i said i think he was found in a fire department <laughs> fire station <laughs> and then when we listened we listened to your stories we were driving on a right. long trip and he goes where'd you get fire station i go you didn't watch this is us i go i thought he was randall for this a minute is us. You know, that's Randall. That's my guy. I am Randall. Hey, you need Boy, to reach out to the writers of that story to tell them. I, 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 and my wife has said yeah. the same thing. It's just so it's, much has been going yeah, on. And, right. uh, it, but it's, it's, a, a it's a similar story. It's an encouraging story of hope for people and forgiveness. Um, that's showing correct. Redemption. I mean, you know, the family's that's, redeemed and that adoption is so important and fostering is so important. So thank you for not well, being shy. I your mama, the other thing was, you were a persistent child. You didn't take no. I, I absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my 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 adopted mom would say that. I can tell my yeah. family, my on the sharp side, they are driven that way. Uh, and my daughters are that way. And so I have to watch that and yeah. just make sure it's channeled That's the right. right way. But once they get focused yeah. on something, I look at my two son-in-laws and Good say, luck. oh, d- dude, you can hang it up. Because <laughs> right. once they focus on something, it's done. <laughs> Good luck. Well, your wife is movie star beautiful, and I saw pictures of your girls. They're beautiful, too. So you have a beautiful family. And I would have voted for, I think I did vote vote for you in the primary because I read the story about you that was in a magazine that I used to be the copy editor for, I think, in Arkansas Money and Politics. Uh, Okay, yeah, we did a a piece. And I was so impressed with that story. And uh, you try again, because I'll vote for you whenever, whatever you're running for, I'm voting for you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.